Welcome to our weekly, and as we know, we mean weekly Wednesday night cheer, back in Brooklyn, New York. Baruch Hashem. Hardy Maltov again, back in Manchester, England. Tonight, of course, I'd like to wish Elikasham Vishanim, Yenad Bela, and Hayyam Aladis. She sponsors tonight's year. We have to uh, <coughs> extend the hearty Molotov again. Not again, but new for the one of our um, consistent participants of this year, Ronen and Yafit. On the birth of their baby boy on Friday. This Mitzlach has to be on Friday. should be you know, of course, we say Yiddish Yiddish Nachas because Esav also had a son called Nachas, Aluf Nachas. We don't want a Nachas like that, we want Nachas that are Yiddish and Chsidish. And that's, of course, one of the things we'll discuss today the difference between Teda mentioning only one Perik on Esav and his life and his family and where the, as the Torah elaborates so much longer on Yaakov Avinu and his family and the others Bechal. Much more than just one Perik, of course. One chapter. But Esav, nonetheless, does merit to one Perik, one complete chapter in the Torah, which is something that is not so simple and that's something that needs to be brushed away under a carpet a chapter, not just a word, not just a pasuk in the Torah a full chapter in the Torah is extremely, extremely cautious tonight's shiras have been dedicating shirim the past few months Nachm Yaakov and Tzvi Hirsh and Bachevachana Bas Shich in Balvachayim Rebavrom Shichim The Shabbos Pasha Vayeshev. Vayeshev usually comes out the Smichas to Hanukkah. It's next week's Pasha, of course, that's always on Shabbos Hanukkah. We're very involved with Hanukkah before or after, and therefore it's next week's Hanukkah, next week's Pasha. we speak we reiterate over and over to show the greatness and the beauty of Tera the connections of Tera and sorry the connection of Tera and our daily life and the daily times and months Dates that come and pass. Before we go into Parsh Vayeshev, which of course the crux of the Pasha is always on, the crux of the Shia is on the Pasha, we're going to delve into the laws, the halachis, which are pertinent 
to now. And um, therefore, of course, being I don't want to miss out on them, I don't want to not be able to get in at the end of this year. I want to make sure that it's done now, in the beginning of this year. This Matzai Shabbos Kedish, we begin the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. The next Wednesday night we will talk about Hanukkah itself. We will discuss Hanukkah, we will discuss the richness of Hanukkah, the concepts of Hanukkah. What does Hanukkah mean to us in the year 2016-17? Because, after all, the miracle of Hanukkah took place so many hundreds of thousands, almost hundreds of thousands, so many thousands of years ago. Why are we still celebrating? And with such a devotion, with such a shturm, why are we still so deep into Hanukkah? And this will send another next week we will find time we will discuss through the, most of the year on Hanukkah and a little bit also on the parasha itself but the halachas that have come upon now oh Mazel Tov Father Mazel Tov Mazel Tov Ya Tayla V'chup Maizim Tayla Nisi V'Yishlev Ramuvinu V'Yitoy B'Zmani but on the Bar Chabad we don't say that but okay um Matzah Shabbos Kedush starts Hanukkah. So the question right away is: It comes in on the uh, what on WhatsApp and on the emails and on. Ask the rabbis, dear rabbi, when do I set up my menorah? Needless to say. The mitzvah and amukhar, of course, the choice of the mitzvah, the best way to do the mitzvah is to have a silver menorah. If one owns, as all Jews should, a nice proper silver menorah, menorah needs to be polished probably. Unless they had them lacquered before. So if Menorah needs to be polished, that should be done before Shabbos. Whether the Menorah should be put in its position, and the place are going to light on Erev Shabbos this week, Not necessary. Although I'm sure those who have it in the windows will very likely set them up in their windows before Shabbos. Ashrechem. Good. Good for them. It's nice to be 
prepared for a mitzvah earlier. There's no crime in it. The only problem you're going to bring about is generally, even if you light your menorah on Arab Shabbos, as we'll do next Friday, Mitzvah Hashem, it lasts a few hours. And we'll discuss soon the laws of lighting on Arab Shabbos. But it doesn't usually last till the morning. So if somebody's going to come in the morning to your house and see a menera, obviously not lit, because there's no reason to light it. But if menera is not lit, menera may have burnt out. And the person will say, Oi, did I forget to light the menera yesterday? They may be scared to ask. Maybe embarrassed to ask. Now everyone listens and saying, Rabbi, please get real. Get in touch. Today's world of the social media, WhatsApp, etc. Everybody knows when Hanukkah starts. Everybody knows first night of Hanukkah is only Saturday night. We're not going to make anybody mishiga. Ironically, all the government agencies have been having their Hanukkah parties ready. And I'm not quoting the president himself because I wouldn't quote him, but obviously he has a writer that writes for him and a very good writer at that. And the writer wrote, the president repeated, I am a typical example, I don't have the words for Vey, I'm not going to give word for word for Vey, but he's the typical example of the miracle of Hanukkah, because everybody said he would not last one night of Hanukkah, and he, last eight, he lasted eight nights of Hanukkah. Of Hanukkah. Um, keep the chuckle to yourself. It was an interesting line, and I felt it worth repeating. So everybody knows the first night of Hanukkah is Matzah Shabbos Kedish, so if a person does indeed set up their Menera on Friday, so that on Matzah Shabbos, as we're going to discuss soon, when he has to light the Menera, as soon as he can, he lights the Menera, there's nothing wrong with that. Asherichim. I, if you have little children at home, I don't recommend it, because it's very likely they're going to send you Menera flying. Bad enough on Erev Shabbos Hanukkah that you have to light the menorah and it has to sit there a whole Shabbos and you have to dance around it, uh, making sure that the children don't send it toppling. Matzai Shabbos Kedish. You're going to go to Shul. As you do every Matzai Shabbos, for those who go for Sudash Nishit, for Shabbos Shudas, whatever you call it. Or in the Lubavitcher circles, we don't go for Shalashudas, we go at least for Seydin Nigunim and Amayma, where the Chassidim sit together and they sing a few Nigunim, and then somebody recites Amayma in memory. Um, 
Thereafter, Mayrav is recited. Now, end of Mayrav comes, and we do say Vihinayam, and Yeshiv Vesayser, and Vyata Kadesh, because, although it's Hanukkah, and it's a Yom Tiv, and we'll say Valenism, and we'll say Halal every day, we don't have a day, and a Bireshchidish next week as well, we don't have a day that we don't work, that we're not allowed to work. These things are only admitted, Vinayam and Vatakadish only admitted on Saturday night. If there is a day, a work day during the week in which we do not work, we may not work. Like a Yomtiv that we don't work on. Rosh Hashanah, Pesach, Shuas, Sukkis. So with Avmaidiv, with the regular Latachir and Tanu, and of course we'll add in Maidiv Ve'alan Ism. Now this will be tricky. Because the Gabayim usually hang up signs. Making us aware of the recitation of Alanism and Shemesse. And unfortunately, unfortunately, If they hang up the sign too early, then people will be saying, well, and this is my Shabbos. So, we wouldn't be able to hang up the sign on Shabbos itself, before Shabbos. Not on Shabbos itself, you're not allowed, for sure not. Before Shabbos, also definitely not. And therefore, you'd have to hang it up, Ash, on Shabbos. Until the Gabbai gets around to hanging up all the signs wherever they need to be hung up, so people can see it. The sign is not hung. However, the Alanism needs to be recited in the Mairev prayer. As Hanukkah has begun, although we have not yet lit the Menera. Atachin Antonu, of course, has said, In Shul, After Kaddish is Kabul, before Aleinu, the Menera is lit, Aleinu is recited, Kaddishim, and then Abdullah. Now, obviously, <laughs> obviously, there's only one out of so many people that have to understand that. Because only one of so many people are the Shamas in the Shul that need to monitor that. Or the Gabai in the Shul. You have, of course, the cantor that advise for that honor of lighting the Menera the first night so that he can say the three brachas which are recited only the first night. So, I guess it's a taiva to be able to do it in public. Um, in order to avoid Lashon Hara, let's go back to using a halachic 
connotation to this. An oval, a mourner, that's in the year of mourning, would not be able to light the menorah in a shul in public on the first night of Hanukkah, because he may not make the bracha shechiyonu in public. If Rahman al-Litzlan, people are sitting shiva during Hanukkah, and they daven in their house, as most Avelim do, not everybody has a minion, not everybody is able to make a minion, but if they do a davening in their house, then the oval daven is regular, barring Rosh Chedesh, of course, he doesn't daven. The oval will daven regular davening. However, when it comes to Hallel, the oval will step out of the room, and the minion will then recite Hallel. And then after the Hallel, the oval will return and say, Kaddish Tzkabal. Because the Kaddish Tzkabal is not on the Hallel, it's on the Chazar Sashats. Again, not relevant to ninety-five to ninety-nine point nine percent of anyone listening to this year. If, however, Hashem, a person is in that predicament and did not understand what we just said, you can be feel feel free to call your local rabbi. Shabbos Kedesh when the person will return home the family comes home and everybody is at home first Havdol is recited and then the Minari will be lit the question then becomes about Vietnacha there are different opinions At home, so as we said, the Havdalah is made first, and then the Meneira. Those who say Vietnacha at home, according to most opinions, after Bracha Khrina is said by of the Havdalah, 
because the person drinks wine, they have to make the bracha chena like gefen. After bracha chena, they will sit down to the min- they will go to the menera, light the menera, and say by the menera, v'yitnecha. And all the other songs of of Shabbos and of Hanukkah. Although there are those that have a custom to do the regular Matzah Shabbos first, to go through the Vietnacha and everything else first, and then go to sit down, um, the general populace would probably not do that. One of the main reasons, obviously, is because we want to light the Mineta as fast as we can. If the congregation is in a very bad rush and they won't stand around after Mairev for Manera lighting, etc. There is an Eheter to light the Manera before Mairev if it's of course after Shabbos and of course the Shabbos or whoever is lighting the Manera should first recite Baruch HaMavdul Ben Kedish There are those of opinion that if you're making Havdalah first, you should extinguish the candle of the Havdalah, the end of Havdalah, and then relight it and use it for lighting the Mineta, so it does not have only one mitzvah. However, in today's generation, we generally use our Havdalah candle on a weekly basis, and it would not really work that way. The candle is usually put out, put into a, put away somewhere, and then used the next week. The person has it, it's a regular candle, a double candle, whatever it is they use for Abdullah. So some should say you should use it for the Shamas. Uh-huh. But we don't we don't go that route because we have our own. Um, obviously you cannot make a better marriage on the Ner Hanukkah, because you know that I use it for anything else. Uh, even after a half an hour, because the lights of the candle of the Nader, cannot be used for anything except for Minera. You cannot even sit and learn by the Minera unless you have a proper light on. Although, there are those that say that because the Shamas is lit, you're not using the actual Minera light, you're using the Shamas light, but we're going to soon discuss how that might not always work. Matzah Shabbos, though, regardless, you may not light the Mineta before Shabbos goes out. Even though, during the weekdays, we light sometimes before sunset, before Shkia, we light before night. Um, as you know, you could light from Plaga Mincha, Still in all, Matzah Shabbos, that will not work. I'm going to focus now on the Arab Shabbos candle lighting, although this week is not going to be the Arab Shabbos candle lighting. It will only be next week, 
Um, we're going to have to hope and pray that you can remember it, because I don't want to go back into halachas next week. As we recited the halachas already this week, I want to just take all the halachas of Hanukkah in, in one shear, and therefore one can make reference to the one shear, and not have to go back and forth thinking of what, when, and where's. On Erev Shabbos, of course, we light the Meneda before Shabbos candles. The first question that arises halachically halachically the first shayla that comes up is we know there's a halacha tadir shayna tadir tadir kedim if there's a mitzvah that is done often and a mitzvah that's done less often, the one that we do often, mm-hmm. is done, one is done more often, is done first. So, the question becomes, if it comes out of Shabbos, and we have Neder's Hanukkah, and we have Neder's Shabbos, obviously Neder's Shabbos are done more often. Neder's Shabbos we light every week. And Neder's Hanukkah Candle of Hanukkah is eight days. So the question, of course, becomes how is that we light Nehru Shabbos before we light Nehru Hanukkah? We light Nehru Hanukkah before we light Nehru Shabbos. Now, I'll give you an example of what Plag Hamincha means. This um, Sunday, Plaga Mincha will be. You brought your cup right here. Oh, you did? Sorry. You have no faith in me. <laughs> uh, one second, I have to get to my calendar here and it's not working. Okay, let's go to the second day of Hanukkah. Plaga Mincha is 3:37, set 13. 3.36.35 would be on Sunday. So 3.36.35 is the first time you could light the Mineta. You cannot light Mineta before that. Um, it's pretty late. 3.35? 3.36. So it comes up pretty late, and the next day is 3.37, 3.38 already. What's the latest? I mean, the latest, no such thing as the latest. Latest is all night long, you can light Menera. As long as the family is awake. If the family is not awake, then there's a shayla of making a bracha. We're going to get into that as well. So, therefore, on. Oh, so we wanted to see Plagamincha of Arab Shabbos next week. That's what we were looking at. So, for next Friday, 3.40 in Brooklyn, Akapanam. You have to see according to your own neighborhood. 3.40 in Brooklyn. 
would be Plaga Mincha. You would not be able to light Minera before that. Plaga Mincha is when you light Minera, and then Shatnera Shabbos Kedish are lit. Um, and the woman has to wait until the husband lights. However, if, for example, it's the seventh night, that like will be this year, Friday, next Friday, so, and it's late, the husband makes the brachas, and he lights the first candle, and the woman can then walk away and go light her Shabbos candles if it's late. Shasat um, Chak. If situation gets dire and need, one needs to, the woman could light the Shabbos, Nere Shabbos, have in mind to be Kabbalah Shabbos later, right by this man, and then they light the Menera, the Nere Chanukah. Ere Shabbos Chanukah, we don't light candles any later on Shabbos, because of Nere Chanukah. We have to light like every Shabbos. In Yishalayim, they have a different Cheshmer Meshkia that you see local authorities for. We discussed already Plagah Mincha. I'm not going to tell you the formula for Plagah Mincha because I don't want to confuse it. And I don't need you to make a miscalculation. Look it up on your calendars. Go to myismanim.com. Many people have a custom to light the Menera Friday, Dav Mincha. Some Dav Mincha before Menera Hanukkah. Here in Crown Heights in 770, a vast majority of the community comes together in 770 for Mincha, and they light the Menera, and then they go home and light their Meneras. Um, it's going to be tricky, as we said, Menera can only be lit at 3.40. If you only light in the Menera at 3.40, um, yeah, 3.40 is lighting the Menera, till Hanera Salova is sung, etc. You're running into a little bit of a quagmire considering that Shabbos candles have to be lit before 20. So 3.40, and you got a shul at 3.45, 3.48, you got to make it home if you don't live around the corner like some people do. Um, it could be a little bit of a mess until you get home to light your minera before Shabbos candles. So if you're going to do so, you're going to go to your shul, to your local shul, if you have such custom, to go to your local shul to here. Mincha, Dav Mincha, and then to light Veneda, if you indeed do so, you should make sure at least that your Veneda is totally ready before you leave your house. So that as soon as you come home, you can light and that your wife can light. We are running very late on this thing. Um... We don't put Neda Shabbos Kedish on the shul- Neda Shabbos Kedish on the table until we put the Meneda out, until we light the Meneda, so not to embarrass the candles of the Shabbos. 
And therefore, however, if you're lighting in a different room or a different place, by the door or by the windows, then there will not be a situation. Since Shabbos candles are lit because of Shalom Bayes, one cannot rely on the Mineta to be lit for Shalom Bayes. And the questions get involved, the Chas Shalom, the person does not have enough money for both, which one they should use first. You confer with your local rabbi or your local tzedakah organization, see to it if you do get enough money to buy and be able to have both. Dreams. Let's get into our dreams this week. We said before that we can sp- we're going to speak and explain how Asaph only has one parsha mentioned in the Teda. When it comes to the Holy Forefathers, the whole history is explained. Rashi actually explains this. So the Torah describes Esav's whole situation, his whole generation, his descendants, his settlements. It wasn't important enough to elaborate on. (laughs) However, Yaakov, all his ongoings and his events, this is what God warrants, doing what God wants, and making a dwelling place for God on this world. Therefore, it is mentioned at length. And Rashi goes on to explain. This can be compared. No Arnica, huh? I hate you. I thought I needed more. This can be compared to a pearl that falls into a bunch of sand. I would have bought my own if I had time to go to the other day. I didn't have time. Um, falls into sand, and the person searches in sand and sifts through it, says Rashi, with a sieve, and he finds the pearl. And when he finds it, he takes the pearl and he throws away, he casts the pebbles from his hands and he keeps the pearls. Now, truth to be told, if Rashi wants to give a parable, which is a little awkward because Rashi doesn't usually go through such lengths to explain something, Rashi explains shal Mikra, the simplest explanation. For Rashi to bring a parable and to go to such depth, Um, he's giving us a deeper definition, a, different, a deeper explanation here. The sand that we're referring to here also alludes to the Jewish people's task in the lands in which we've been exiled. We need to sift through the settlements of Esav. The fact that searching for a pearl. This symbolizes the mission of each and every Jew that needs to search for holiness. For the godly mean potential of each and everything that happens. And all this is hidden in the mundane lifestyle in which the world is engaged. Now we know why Rashi includes 
not only the parable itself, but something that seems superfluous. Rashi goes on to say, a person has, Rashi told us an example, a parable, of a man looking for a pearl in the dirt. And he finds the pearl. He sifts through the dirt and he finds the pearl. Fine. He found the pearl. Do I need to know or what does it teach me? What does it add to my understanding and explanation? The fact that he throws away everything, he throws away all the pebbles. If I have the pearl, why am I keeping the dirt? Truth is, it's an awkward kind of, the whole thing is, it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be a pearl, it should be a diamond, because pearls are not found in, in sand, the pearls are found in oysters. But uh, this pearl happened to fall out of his hand, probably. But the fact that the, when he was lifting the sand, when he was lifting and sifting through the dirt, it had no value to him, the dirt. He was not excited about seeing any of the dirt that was there. None of this dirt made any sense to him. None of this dirt appealed to him. What was appealing to him is the diamond, the pearl, of the stone, the precious stone that he was looking for. And obviously once he finds it, he's not going to take any of the, any of the surroundings. But Rashi is teaching us a lesson with this as well. Even the casting away the pebbles, Rashi teaches is a crucial lesson. In exile, in the goals to which we find ourselves, in order for us to elevate, and to be elevated by these nitsutsis, these sparks of Kedusha, of holiness, of godliness, that are found in the material world, we need to know, we need to differentiate, get perspective to know that the garbage, the sand, the pebbles are not what's important. It's the pearl that's important. It's the jewel that's important. Unfortunately, the setting of physicality sometimes blinds us. And we're drawn into this material world instead of drawing out the good from it. Says the Teda, says Rashi by explaining this, only after we throw this all away, any personal interest in the concepts of the settlements of Esau, only then can we extract and benefit from the pearls, the spiritual wealth hidden within. Just for the record, this is, you know, when a person unfortunately passes away, one makes a eulogy for them. Not always do we say praises when a person is alive. Unfortunately for that, I don't know why. You're allowed to praise a nice person that's alive and doing something nice. A person's allowed to get a pat on the back. Well, anyway, our sponsor tonight, our birthday girl, works with such a situation. Her daily workload is with something that's very challenging. And ultimately, she does. She sifts through everything that goes around and that's involved and that looks sometimes a little awkward and sometimes a little blinding. 
and goes to the core, to the source, to the core, to see the spirituality and the kedusha in each and everything that she's involved with. The famous story of the Shpala Zayda A chassid came to him, or just a Jew, not necessarily a chassid of his. He was wrongly accused by something. And he asked the Shpala to see to it, pray for him, that the courts exonerate him. And that he's found innocent. Shpala looked at him and said, Eh, what's a month in jail? The guy bursts out crying. A month in jail? A month in jail? You have any idea what a month in jail is? They'll kill me in a month in jail. They'll destroy me a, a whole month in jail. A yid, a yid, in, in a jail cell with all these puyrin. You have no idea what jail is. If you think that a month in jail is... Listen, I understand... Jail can be very bad. But jail can have a, a good side to it also. <laughs> the guy is looking at the Shabbos He sees he's not getting too far. He starts to cry and to bail and to wail and saying, you can't do this to me. I will never make it through a month in jail. Rabbi, you don't know what jail is. Shabbos said, I do. I do know. Let me tell you a story. I was traveling once. I came to an inn. I came to an inn. And I paid up front. And I went to my room to sit and study. To relax, study, lie down for an hour or two. Custom to study overnight usually. And uh, as I was studying, the knock on the door. Open the door, the innkeeper standing there with a Jew. Nice looking Jew, beard and everything. And uh, the innkeeper says, Listen, this guy just arrived, it's after midnight. The only bed that I have spare in the inn is in your room, an extra bed. Do you mind if he shares the room with you? I sized him up a little bit and I said, hey, Listen. He looks like a nice Jew. Why should I leave him in the cold? So I agreed. I agreed to have him. Help the Rebishter. The Jew, Davin Mairev. After Mairev said he was very tired, he is going to sleep. He went to sleep and I can study, continue studying. After another hour or two, I also wanted to lie down for an hour or so. I lie down. When I awoke, fat tugs, I look, I see the man's gone. I said, wow, such a nice guy. He must have not wanted to disturb me, and he uh, woke up, so he left. So, I washed Nagelwasser, and prepared myself, and decided to dive into my room. 
I'm davening in my room, and all of a sudden there's a banging on the door. I open the door, and there this policeman standing there. And the policeman is standing there with this other guy. And the guy is pointing me out, saying, he's the guy, he's the thief. Needless to say, I was mortified. Thief? What I steal? I've been here all night. Uh-huh. And the police came in, and they started to search the room, and every time I tried to say something, they hit me again. They threw me against the wall, they threw me on the floor. I got good markers here. After a while, they turned up the mattress of the other fellow's bed, and they found a silver spoon. And the guy started screaming, You see? That's from my set. And where's the rest of them? Now I understood how I got set up over here. This fellow came into my room so that he could plant this quote-unquote evidence in my room. And it would look like I stole it. And while they're torturing me and chasing me about this and arresting me for this, he made hay. And he got far enough away with obviously the rest of the stuff. Every time I try to open my mouth to say, to explain what's going on, I got another fist. So, there wasn't much I could do. By Yame, and they arrested me. They arrested me, and they brought me to prison. And they put me in a cell with very, very unfriendly neighbors. And Nachal, the first guy, the biggest guy, walks over to me. And he says to me, Buddy, you're here now. You're on our turf. 50 ruble up front. And then you better do everything we tell you. I was not shy to tell him, I don't have 50 ruble. Well, the guy didn't take kindly to that, and they started beating me down. And the beating wasn't going well enough for them. So finally, this big fellow got a whole bunch of guys to hold me down, and two guys were holding my arms and my legs, one guy was holding my head. And this guy took an iron rod out from under his shirt. And um, I had to start saying Shema Yisrael. I saw the end. As it was about to hit me, the man started to scream in pain. Screaming and yelling that the rod was on fire. And he couldn't leave go of it. It was burning his hands. And it's burning his hands and burning his hands. And he's screaming and yelling. And he says to me, he realized that I was not a simple Jew. And he says to me, make it stop. Make it stop. I told him, 
Obviously, he needs to apologize. And um, we can discuss it. No. He apologized. And the rod fell out of his hand. Rod fell out of his hand. At this point, already all the gods were here, and everybody was standing there. And they saw what was going on. That evening, I noticed one of the people that did not participate in my beatdown was staring at me. And uh, honestly, he looked like a gypsy. So obviously I was not very, you know, excited about the gypsy looking at me, thinking that any minute I close my eyes, he's going to steal anything that I have, or I don't have even. And um, after a while, the gypsy says to me, this boy says to me, Um, I was born a Jew. Obviously I was shocked. Because the complexion on his face didn't look Jewish. So I waited to hear his story. And he told me the following story, that his parents died when he was very young, which became a As an orphan wandering, he was an orphan with nobody to look after him. He, um, He joined a band of gypsies. And the band of gypsies found him a very uh, useful fellow. He was flink, he was talented, he was smart. He was able to climb places they couldn't usually get to. And he was set up to do all the stealing and all the horses and everything that that they needed for. Helped the Rebishter he says, I became quite wealthy from this whole story. Until, unfortunately, one day I got caught. And they sentenced me for 25 years. And here I am. Shpelazeda now saw what his mission was, why he was here in this prison with his boy, why he was in prison at all. And he began to speak to the boy. And to teach him about Teda, Yiddishkeit, but on Tfilin, he davened with him. And the boy already was learning to read olive bays and everything. And that night, the Shpalazeda had a dream. Elio Anavi appeared to the Shpalazeda. And Elio Anavi told him, um, take the boy. And tomorrow you leave. You both leave. Take him with you. So the next morning came. I suppose they realized it's obviously Eliyahu Navi, Eliyahu Navi. 
and he walked behind Elio Anavi as he appeared in front of him and every door as Elio Anavi came to it opened up and the guards were all sleeping he told the boy hold on to my belt and the boy just walked right behind him and they walked out of prison ultimately he took the boy back to his home in Shpola he learnt with him he studied with him and he sat and studied in his own, and he became a tremendous Talmud Chachim. And today, says the Shpala he's a Rav of his own, in his own community. So the Shpala said to him, Zastach, every place that you find yourself, whether it was Yasef, a tzaddik in prison, or if we find ourselves on a street, a wrong turn that we made, find ourselves getting off a train in the wrong place, or just getting on the wrong train. We need to know that it has a tachlis, there's a tayelis in it, and it's a way of service Hashem. And we see this most importantly when it comes to the parsha, today's parsha, when they take Yesuf at Sadiq and they throw him in the pit, and it says, Vabay reik, mayim. Rashi asks, obviously if it's reik, if it's empty, mayim, there's no water. And he says, no, mayim, mayim, there was no water, but there were snakes and scorpions. The Gemara, if you keep in score at home, Baba Kama, 17, side 1, Yud Zayin Amaralif, says, in view of that, we understand why the presence of snakes and scorpions in the pit that Yesu was thrown in is hinted in the Teda with a superfluous phrase, phrase saying that the water is in it, there was no water in it, after saying, a bird ate. The, board, the pit was empty. The Tate is emphasizing the spiritual sense. Snakes and scorpions are not of the best nature. They don't have the best sources. Tata is compared to water. Aim When there's no water, automatically there are snakes and scorpions. It's brought down the name of the Bashem in a safer called Savas Rivash. And he explains, we say in Kriyashma, Vesartem, Vavaratem, Alimachedem, you will turn and you will, you will go astray, you turn astray and you will serve other gods. These are hand in hand. By turning astray, automatically one serves other gods. If you separate yourself from God, says the Bashem you immediately do idol worship. There's no middle. It's a mountain. You're going up or you're going down. And the same thing we saw when it comes to Yehuda, he went up to Timna, he went up to Timna. When it says about Shimshin, he went down to Timna and all the different Mephashim that explain why it was, Timna was up or Timna was down. How exactly this worked and how exactly it functioned. Yehuda journey to Timna was to go up whereas Shimshin's journey to Timna was to go down and this is the message and the lesson in our life we must always strive to go up and it should be a lichtig and a beautiful Hanukkah for everybody and this Shabbos we should be in the Beis Hamigdash and we should be able to see how the Meneda is lit by the Kohen Godel in Yerushalayim and Harabayis in the Kodesh of the Beit Hamikdash. Shabbat shalom to all and happy Hanukkah.